Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. And uh, another one of those days, Dave, thought it was, was going to be maybe a slow podcast. Never on this beat. We should, uh, we should be used to this by now, right? We should, but you never get used to it. <laughs> it's always something and you never know what. Until it happens, of course. So, news of the day. Cincinnati has had another opt-out in the basketball program this time. Junior point guard David DeJulius cited his struggles throughout the season through COVID with mental health uh, and tens. From everything I heard, have heard today, uh, since 5 o'clock when this broke, fully intends to remain with the program and stay with the program long-term. She has to get a stat right. And uh, I can tell you, Dave, from, from talking to some people in, uh, in the football program and, and hearing things from inside the basketball program, this has all been a very, maybe, maybe even more difficult than people understand it's been a very difficult year in the life of a student athlete. Oh, I mean, I, I can't imagine it. Like, you know, I think, I, I mean, I would be stunned if not every single person that listens to this has had some moment throughout the last year where they're just like enough. Like I'm at a, I'm at a breaking point. You know, I've had several, I will fully admit, uh, do for, you know, for various things. So, you know, I can't imagine like you have the end of your season cut short. You don't, then you have like this huge long period of, you don't even know what the hell's going on. Then you finally get to kind of come back and you're practicing in masks and you're doing like three on three stuff because you can only have X amount of people. Then you like, don't know when the season's going to start. So all of a sudden we start practice and you ramp that up and then the season kind of starts, but it doesn't because you get most of your, you know, by games are chopped off and you get COVID or you, you were around someone that gets COVID and you're in this isolation thing. And, you know, people think, oh, they're just hanging out. Like, it's like, oh, they just can hang out in their apartment or whatever with their other dudes it's like no they literally are by themselves until they are cleared to not be by yourself anymore and like i couldn't imagine like i had a hard we have a hard enough time like if you just can't leave your house for a couple days like imagine being 18 19 20 in some dorm room that's not really your dorm room or or some you know they don't live in a dorm room they live in a pimp-ass apartment well, as I'm saying, like, and you're they're not, isolated in a dorm room you're not there <laughs> right? like you're you're none of your comforts like so you're whether you feel totally fine or you feel terrible like you have none of your comforts there it's not like you just pick up and move all your stuff for a couple weeks and for them this has been like basically been going on for a, several several more months than even like what the football guys had to go through yeah because the football guys had their finish line already you know they they crossed that finish line january 1st and so you know they went from july to to, to january they had it difficult like i said i've i've heard from a lot of those guys that they've really they really struggled like during the season getting through the day the day of this and 
and I don't, I don't, just don't think people think it all the way through. And don't because they like the, and I, I don't want to compare the two, but like sometimes you're when things are going good, you're more willing to quote unquote suck it up. When sometimes the, when it when it's struggling, then it that's another thing to add on to the mental you know stress of it all like it's one thing to lose a game but you go out with your girlfriend and your buddies and you you're old enough you get a couple beers or you go out to dinner or whatever it's like but now it's like you lose a game by 38 to houston you just go straight home and you you don't do anything right so it's like that in and of itself probably plays a role too like you're not you're not playing up to what i think anyone's expectations would have been i mean i including your own i think this especially your own Right. Like, I think this is kind of what I record wise is kind of what I expected. But I mean, you have these huge gaps, you have long losing streaks, you have a a nice little winning streak, then you get the doors blown off of you. Like it's, it's not, you know, it's not anything normal. So I don't think that, you know, at some point, you're just like, man, I just, I can't really function and, and perform at this. It's one thing if you're just a student or you just get up and you go to a job and you come home and maybe you're married or you're not married, but like these guys are in the public eye, their games are on television. They, you know, they're representing a university and we all want them to do well. And so there's just even more added pressure to, to have to deal with all this other stuff. And you have no idea what, what's going on back home where the kid can't go. Sure. Where if you know there is something that pops up with their family, they can't you know be there with their family to be a part of it. They can't. It's not as simple and cut and dry as a lot of people think because I, I think people get it in their head like I would do anything to play basketball at the University of Cincinnati. Like that's their their mindset. Well, why why is this person have struggling because I I would never struggle. Well, you're not you're not running that race. Like, calm down, chief. It, 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 I get it. It's not exactly that they're living the toughest life in the world, but they are basically being put in a fishbowl so everybody else can make money. Well, like, yeah, I mean, like, I look at it as like, if I was, you know, based on where I grew up, you know, and if I had gone to play basketball at UC or something, and I got COVID. I couldn't just go to my parents' house 45 minutes away and chill out for a couple weeks. Right. Like, so it'd be like, you know, most of these kids can't go home most of the time anyway because they come from, you know, further away. But, like, imagine that. Like, okay, I can't play. I can't be around my teammates. And now, you're like, I can't even go to my own home like if I can't do any of these other things, at least let me go to my own house to just sit here by myself for have my mom take care of me two weeks. And I can't even do that. Or, you know, like just stuff like that, that you'd be like, Oh man, that seems silly that they can't, you know, do that and make them, that would make them feel better mentally, you know, whatever. Like, hey, at least I'm like at my house and it's not so terrible that I can't go to practice. I can't see my friends. I can't see my teammates, stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's not the same, but I, I've seen a lot of the same with Kelly, who, for those of you listening that don't know, my wife is battling cancer. She's been 
in treatment pretty much throughout the entire COVID situation. We really haven't been able to do much of anything. Um, and you can see it wear on her. Like, it, mentally, it's a grind. Like, you don't want to sit and stare at the same four walls over and over and over and over again. And it is exhausting and mentally and physically. And for everything it sounds like from what David put in his Instagram post, uh, I guess he just reached a breaking point. And that's that's understandable. Like I, sure. I mean, 95% of human beings are meant to be social and interact with people. Like... Am I the 5%? No, but by far you're not. I mean, there's there's certainly ones that would rather just not, you know, never leave their house or, you know, not, but like, we're not, that's not how we're made. And then you just all of a sudden you're like, nope, can't do this stuff anymore. Can't go out to eat. Can't go to a movie. Can't like just, just having it just totally shut off. Like, how do you think people are going to respond and deal with that? You're going to struggle with mental health. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> it's I know it's it, because of everything that's gone on and and I know because of the numbers you know having the number of guys taking the opt-out option I get as a fan base the desire to overreact at times and I think part of that is a little fair like because you look around the country and you're like I don't see a bunch of other teams and maybe I'm just missing them because I'm not involved in I but like five dudes opting out during the season is a lot. Now I'm not saying that it's some underlying issue, but like if you're a fan, it's only natural to be like, okay, like what's, what's happening? Go, what's going on? Like, that's not a, that's a big number. That's a more, almost 50% of your, your scholarship roster during the season has decided that they don't want to play basketball anymore this year. So right or wrong, overblown, underblown, like I don't blame someone to go, okay, I get what's going on with COVID and I totally understand the way these guys are feeling, but like they've won five out of six. I'm not trying necessarily tying it to wins and losses, but like they're, they've been playing better. They had a big win. Like what, like, is there something like, I'm not asking you, but I'm just saying like, this is a fan thought. Like, is there something that we're, we just don't know that we might never know? Like, or is it just really just, I'm, I can't take it anymore. It's just the timing of it is just coincidental. There's no rhyme or reason to it, but you know, I don't blame a fan for just being like, okay, this seems a little odd. One guy here, another guy, two months later. Okay. That's understandable. Five dudes. Now, obviously one decided to come back. But, like, five guys in a couple-month period decide they don't want to play basketball anymore for UC this year, you're going to have some questions. I, I would say four, and one decided to come back. Okay. Rapolis Ivanowskis did not opt out for COVID. Like, right. But, I mean, right. I'm, like, that's the thing is, like, you want to try to be – you know, because I'm sure people have blown up your mentions on the Twitter, on the Twitter being like, this has nothing to do with COVID. Blah, blah. I mean, like, so you, you want to be like fair. I don't want to be that person. And I don't want to just totally, <coughs> totally act like, oh, there can't possibly be anything going on. Cause I don't think that's fair either. Right. But like, 
there has to be some sort of like middle ground where if you do ask that question, you're not just like shouted down as, Oh, well, here, here's what I would say. You're just being a hater I, and you don't want them to yeah. win or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, that's not true. But like shit, five dudes that is going to get people to be like, that's going to raise eyebrows no matter what. Here And here's what I would say to that. Um, I think it's, it's not necessarily a surprise in that these aren't dudes that have all been together for a long time, right? This is not a team that's had three, four, five years of continuity where there's a, you know, there's, there's generally a hierarchy of college athletics, like the, the way things work, the, the, the seniors groom the freshmen, you know, and then they move on and, and everybody becomes this, tight-knit band of brothers i think once again you're looking at a roster with 11 dudes if you if you count keith williams and mamadou as the two guys that you know have been here the longest you have 11 guys that have been assembled within 18 months less than that basically they the 18 guys that came together in, in a year and now they've been together for six months. So you're dealing with a roster that's been assembled essentially for six months. And we and got, sorry, I, I was just going to say I I don't know that that it, that it's easy or that we're we're calculating into the equation enough. You know that brotherhood that you typically get in sports, and and how difficult that is to build when everything gets turned upside down by. A coaching change sure I mean, in this use, case we use glue guy as like a term as a player on the court but like who's the glue guy that when that when a player needs to talk to another player not to another coach right that, that they can go to and talk to they had like, one last year right like who's the guy that when that can tell man this guy i can just he's i can tell just by looking at him Something isn't right. I'm going to go talk to him and like, maybe he's dying to tell, tell somebody something, but he doesn't want to be the one to, to bring it up. So maybe if I go talk to him, that makes him feel comfortable to say, to tell me what's on his mind. And maybe, you know, that just, just being able to have that release helps him out. Like, I don't know. I don't know if they have that type of guy. And I don't know if you can get that type of guy when, like you said, You've basically had 18 new new players, so to speak, you know, with each other in the last year. Right. I just don't know that it's it's possible to to build that like internal accountability, I guess would be a way that I would put it, right? Like I don't even know if it's like accountability as much as it's just like Yeah, you're right. That's probably this not the is right the guy, like Every veteran team knows, like, this guy might not be, like, the leader leader, but, like, if you got something you need to get off your chest or if you got – if you need to talk to someone, that like, that's the guy you go talk to. He's not going to tell the coaches about it if it has something to do with, you know, playing time or you're not happy with another teammate or something. Like, that's, like, your sounding board as a player that isn't a coach, isn't on staff or whatever. And I just don't know if they have that guy where, you know, I'm not – 
it's not John's fault, but like mixed teams because they always got old. They always had a guy like that. Right. That, that when shit hit the fan or you lose a couple games in a row, like, and maybe you're in on the verge of things kind of splintering a little bit. This guy kind of like grabs the players in the sense of where the coaches are doing the coaching. He like gets everybody's attention from Calms the waters. Right. No, I, I, I agree completely. I, I, and this, it's uh, it's just, it's just the, that issue in and of itself, though, builds to my, you know, my trepidation. Like that's not gonna get fixed soon, unfortunately. Well, you would hope you would hope a guy like Jeremiah Davenport going to year three for sure. You would hope next like, year the pro- J- he'll be in year three, but like all the, there'll be so many other guys that'll be brand new. It's like you know, yeah. But you're hoping, you know, everything everything indicates that David DeJulius will return. I think that's the thing that I think people will point to is like, okay, if, and I wouldn't expect, you know, just because of what we've talked about and the way things work, like I wouldn't expect all these guys that have opted out. Obviously, like Rapolis isn't coming back. I, I think we feel pretty good that like, Zach Harvey's not coming back. That's a pretty safe bet, I think. So, but like, you know, the other guys, Mamadou did come back. So, hope, you know, hopefully that's in the past. So, it's kind of like, I think you have some fans that are, you know, what you said about David, all indications are he's coming back. And then we don't, we probably don't really know yet on Mace or on Gay Matson. If those guys were to not come back, I think that would make people be like, okay, what the hell was going on? Right. And I, I don't think a decision has been made with Mason. I don't like I mean, you're left with five games left. And, you know, in David's case, you opted out with what five regular season games and whatever they get in the conference tournament. And then you don't come back to me. That would be like, okay, yes, you were probably going through some stuff, but there was also some other stuff where you were like, I'm just, I just don't want to be here anymore. Right. If and that that's happened, fair. If that happened. Right. And that's fair. I, I just, I don't think that's the indication of what we have here. I think we have, a, we just have a kid that tried to, tried to fight through it, tried to get as far down the line as he could. And for whatever reason, decided he had reached a tipping point. So. Yeah. And we, and everybody, I mean, people get there all a different time too. So I don't want to, like, I don't think people should read into, well, what's going on? Like they just won. And like, that doesn't mean anything sometimes. Like, you know, that means, could mean absolutely nothing. Whether, you know, we look at things very like, you know, with Twitter and everything, people are overanalyzing, you know, every type of tweet and Instagram post and this, that, and the other. And like, we just look at it from a very direct, like, oh, well, they won. You must be happy. Like, what could possibly be bothering you? You just won a basketball. Yeah. We, again, it goes back to we think I would be happy. Right. So you have to be happy. That's not how life works. No. And I, you know, I, I, I liken it to when people ask, like, why do kids pick a school in recruiting? Well, there's no answer for that because every kid has a different set of criteria. For now, 
maybe there if you if you cross section a hundred kids and you get their top three and you rank the top threes and you say, okay, you know, forty seven percent of the kids, their number one factor was location, hype, you know, whatever, whatever. But but even then, those lists aren't static; they're fluid, and they could be different depending on what day you asked the question. So, you know, I, I don't think it's something that you can just put in a box and say, you know, this is exactly why it has happened with the number of kids that it has. No, um, I think that's totally fair. I... But, but people want it that way. People want everything to be nice and yeah, easy and simple a, and cut like and a black and black and white answer like okay this kid decided on this day that he was gonna right out, and this is why like right eh, it's not you know and look everybody, everybody mental has, health everybody is very has days where they like just feel like shit that they are whether it's depressed what i mean and not just covid related like you just have days where you're like man today just sucks and someone could see, be like, what's wrong? And you'd be like, I don't know. Like, it's not like you will, like one specific thing happens and you're just like, you all of a sudden feel that way. And then when that one thing's over, you're like, oh, I'm back to being fine. Yeah. Or you just wake up in the morning and you're like, screw today. Nothing happened. <laughs> there wasn't anything that set you off. You just woke up and were like, piss on today. I'm done with today. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate. I hope he, you know, does whatever he needs to do. I hope he comes back. I mean, I like having him on the team. I thought he was playing, you know, for just from a straight basketball sense. I thought he was playing some pretty good ball the last, you know, basically since they came back to playing. And, you know, I feel like he would be an important, important guy, obviously moving forward. So, you know, and, and maybe, you know, I think some of this stuff too is like, you have to do all of this stuff like every day and you've been doing I think that's every, a lot of it you've been doing it every day for so long I think I, I know I would just be like I just don't want to do anything for a while like I don't want to do anything for a while sometimes if, if I have brain, to go to school if I had to go to school fine I'll do the school part but like I don't want to do anything else and in a couple months hopefully when things are better you know as things have been trending better in a couple months maybe he's like all right, now I want to do some shit again. Like, or we all, we all, yeah. like, that's not abnormal for people or, to feel, to feel that way. And like you talked about after a game, maybe I want to go get a pizza. Maybe I want to go to Mio's a block away, sit down with a couple friends and get a pizza and hang out and relax. Cause all my other friends, my non-basketball friends can do that stuff now. Right. They can stay out as late and as instead, they want now. Like think, but I can't, yeah. but I can't, which is, that's the sacrifice you're taking to play basketball right now. But at some point you might be like, you know what? I don't care. I just don't want to have to do this crap anymore. You mean you wouldn't want to have to go from 6 a.m. to basically like 9, 10 o'clock at night? Dude, if I, if I was with, on like a bench With no warmer, release? If I was the bench warmer on the basketball team and I couldn't go out for beers – with my buddies like after a game knowing that it didn't matter if i got blitzed like i would i would just not i'd be like i'm done i'll come back next like you, you guys <laughs> don't need me well they actually do probably need me yeah now. they need you now 
But like, how hard would that be if you're just like a walk on? You're like, I can't just go get some beers. Nope. Like I'm the ex- I'm literally for the first time in my life the exact same as the most important player on the team. Right. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I don't think I really have anything else no, on it. I don't talk, know about you. Talk about, the, talk about the game. Yeah, let's get to the game. So we talked about this last. Uh, I talked about it Monday on the BBP. Um, I the Houston loss didn't. Um, it didn't. I mean, to me, it was it, it was a loss. Like it, I I wasn't in freakout mode because of how bad it got. But for me, the important thing was going to be how they responded. How did they bounce back? How did they look? Not even necessarily if it was a win or a loss, but did they have some fight? You know, did they did they take a punch and get back up off the mat? And boy, did they take a punch. Yeah, I almost, t- I mean, I told you earlier, like, I legit almost turned it off because I was like, I'm not staying up to 11.15 to watch this crap the way that game started. Yeah, I mean, I, I had to. And I, and uh, I think, like, from, from that standpoint, how they responded is exactly, you know, how what you wanted to see. What I, which I just, right. Cause like you lose to Houston, whatever. But I wanted to see, okay, do they care or have they totally mailed it in? And that, not, that doesn't necessarily mean did they win or lose versus Tulsa? Cause like, right. It was effort. Cause UC is not good and neither is Tulsa. And, None of the other teams they've beaten last month are any good either. So it's like, I'm not taking anything from the fact that they won that game last right. night. Like, it's nice that they won because they, but the reason it's nice that they won is that following a really, really bad game, they didn't carry that over. And they, they didn't fold. And then when the game was started off terribly, they didn't fold there either. Where And they could have. Where they very easily could have been like, Screw this road game. We got three more of these puppies in like the next six days. We just got our doors blown off. I don't want to play. Like I'm, I'm done. I want to get the hell up out of Tulsa. And they didn't. Why do that wouldn't either. you? Well, well, I mean, yeah, but <laughs> so that to me is more, you know. And now, now I just want to see how that then, and obviously losing David is plays a major role in the rest of the season. Um, But like, I just want to see how they build from this game. Like if you turn around and lose the talk to lane at home, then this, then this effort of fight and getting down and coming back and not folding because of the way that the Houston game went basically doesn't mean anything. Right. So, you know, I don't, I'm in this game less into the like micro of who played well, who didn't play well, like the plays that were made, weren't made and more just into it's the end of a really rough season where, you know, things have certainly not gone the way I'm sure anybody on the team or any of the coaches expected them to. How are we going to close this thing out? Cause we saw this a lot in like football season once you got to the second half of the year, like you could tell some teams were like, nope, we ain't having this. Yep. Like, how fast can we get this game over with? Right. So it's like, 
Reg- and if they take that, like, I would be more mad if they took that mentality than if they played their asses off and lost all five of the remaining games. Yeah, and then, like I said, I don't think it was going to be about final score, although with the way they played, it was good to see them figure out a way to get the win. Uh, but just the life that we saw in their step after they made that that run from the under 12 to the under 8 where they scored, what, 24 points? Yeah. They did three points coming out of the under eight. And they had or three points coming out of the under 12 and had 27 at the under eight. Yeah. Which was like six and a half. I mean, it went that, that segment went a little long. But you have Mason Madsen hit three threes in that segment. Keith Williams had, I think, five or seven points in that segment. And all of a sudden, the life was back in them. Like the, the, the pep was back in their step, if you will. And from there, outside of a bad, what, three minutes at the end? Yeah, I don't know. They, the, last they six us... minute, the last six minutes offensively, they were pretty dreadful. Yeah. Um, but I was, the last I was just three about, minutes. I was just about to send off a tweet about how they had scored three points in the last six minutes as – they're stealing the ball, and Davenport's like laying it in to, to go up one point. I was like, well, I guess that one doesn't really hold anymore. But I mean, I guess that's kind of the question is like, obviously, we want them to win, win games. Like, no shit. You play, but like, but like win what is because the game? What is something that tangibly they can do over these next whatever? regular season slash conference tournament games to, to legitimately build on. Cause like there are these, and we talked about this the other day, like in my opinion, there are these brief moments where you see glimpses of progress. And then those are typically kind of like washed away. You know, they don't shoot the ball well from the outside. They don't shoot the ball well from the free throw line. They foul, they turn the, like they don't do a lot of things that would lend them to victories they keep winning some of these really close games, but like, what is something to watch for where it's like, cause John, you know, John kind of alluded to it after the Houston game of not necessarily saying we're going to screw wins and losses, but I'm going to try to get some dudes ready for next year. But like, so what are those things? Like what are, can fans actually watch to go, okay, this is like legitimate getting like building for next, you know, for next season. I mean, I think it is it is centered around what we saw at Tulsa. Guys playing for each other. Guys bought in on the we of getting a win and not like, did I play well? And I think we saw that a lot last night. I, we, you know, did, the team was super hype when Mason Madsen got hot for a stretch in the first half. The team was super hyped when Jeremiah da- uh, Davenport got hot in the second half and carried them for a, a stretch in the middle of the second half, which not to take away from your question, but I, I thought that was probably the most critical part of the game because there was a stretch there in, in the middle part of the second half that Tulsa played really well, and UC was able to extend the lead. They were getting to the rim. They were getting downhill. They were getting fouled. They made a couple tough jumpers. 
And it normally would have been a situation where this, especially earlier in the season, we would have seen a five, six, seven point win turn into a five, six, seven point deficit, right? But Davenport hit shots. Keith Williams was passing as well as he's, he's passing his entire UC career. And I think that's what you're looking for is the buy-in from this team on playing together and not just, you know, doing what they were doing offensively, which was making shots. They were in the make shot offense, which uh, I thought it was an opportune time for them to do that after not running it outside the first four minutes at Houston. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that's what you're looking for is how connected they are. Are they working through when they have a rough patch? Are they coming out on the other side of that rough patch and, and playing well? And I think you saw all of those things take place against Tulsa. And look, is that a good Tulsa team? No, but I'm tired of like caveating. Well, but, but, but the team they played with, look, you're they're in the American. They're not good either. Right. You're in the so, Like that one like, doesn't fly. Like I'm, I'm over that. Like you only say that when you're, when you're like, like if you're not good, like they're, they're a 500 team. Every win is a good, is a pretty good win for, for a team. They like are by every definition of the word, an average team. Are they a good team? No. Are they a bad team? No. They are exactly average <laughs> and they have played it all year. And so was Tulsa and they beat them by one point. Like you couldn't have had a more average right. game. But I think Kerry made a great point on the board today. If you look at that first game that they played here against Tulsa, Eugene never had the lead. Not once did they have the lead in that game. They had the lead last night for like 27 minutes, 8 minutes, whatever it is. Like that is completely flipping the script and showing improvement. On, on their floor, on senior day, I'm starting to think the folks in Tulsa don't really like Cincinnati all that much. They have to hate our guts, man. <laughs> like, they just... I mean, when was the last time they beat? Well, Houston? they won here. They won here in basketball. Oh, in this, this January second. Yeah. yeah. But they they cannot be a fan of the Bearcats in any no. way, shape, or form. No. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think for me, I just like, and, and uh, Houston is a bad example because they kind of do this to everybody. But there were glimpses of this even in the in the wins. Like, I just want to see some dog, man. Like, if if you're gonna if you're not gonna shoot it great, if you're not gonna, you know, take care of the ball, maybe just like make it like let make it dirty. Like get into some dudes, like not start fights, but like, like be be the aggressive team. And I feel like that's kind of been something that's been missing from this group too. Like there's they don't have that. That's again, like they don't have that guy that you know puffs his chest out and try. Like everybody wants to get behind in the fight. Like, I I, I don't think it is. I think there has been fight. But I think oftentimes it has been related to circumstance. Right. Like they'll fight when, when shots are going down. Well, that as, soon as, or, as soon as someone puts a little run on them or something, and then it's like, oh, 
shit, that's we're not doing that anymore. Right. Like that's over. Or what we saw in, in December a lot was they wouldn't fight until they were down twelve with with six minutes left. And then yeah. they would go on an 11-0 run. Like, I think you're right in that this team has lacked 40 minutes of, of fight. Now we're starting to see, and I thought in the Tulsa game, we saw this. We saw almost about 35 minutes of fight. That first five minutes, woof. Because fight, <laughs> fight to me doesn't mean, like, great play. It's Making like when, shots. It's right. like when things are going bad – that was like that's the biggest thing like that I feel like is missing is like when things are going bad, we don't let a five point lead turn into a fifth a five point deficit turn into a fifteen point deficit. Like right. Things are going bad. Okay, we're still only down seven. Or we somehow figured out a way to be only down four at the next timeout. And we know we weren't making shots or we weren't playing good, but we fought our asses off to keep this in a spot where now maybe we can get our feet under us a little bit, make a couple moves, do whatever. And now we feel better about ourselves. Like that's where I'm talking fight is like, no, I know. I, and I agree. Um, I think we have seen it outside of Houston. I think we've seen a lot, quite a bit of fight since the return playing, you know, playing shorthanded, playing with guys that still aren't nearly back to a hundred percent. You know, there's, has it been perfect? Has it been, you know, the, the 2000 Bearcats with Kenyon Martin and Pete Michael? No. But I think there has been a lot of progress over the past three, three plus weeks outside of the Houston game. The Houston game, you can just kind of catch on fire. Yeah. I mean, that's uh... burn, burn the tape, literally. I mean, when, you, when you're an average team, you're going to have games like that. Right. You so, reading something over there? Me? Yeah. No, I'm watching a little highlight video. Uh, you're watching something. Number three, UC versus number 21, Minnesota in 1998. How's that going? Uh, at Minnesota. I don't, I don't know. Uh, let's see. We are... Melvin Levitt just... Oh, missed a shot. Jermaine Tate had a follow dunk. Clem, Clem Haskins is going irate. It was uh, 49-48 with 20 seconds left, and UC drew a charge. <laughs> nice. Cla- classic game here. 50-49. Big white guy from Minnesota bangs a three to go up two. Bearcats come down. And... Tie it with 0.2 seconds left. So I don't know who won yet. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to overtime. But yeah, so. I mean, they have, what, a game tomorrow at 4 p.m. That's cool. Right? Is that accurate? Yeah, that's accurate. And it's apparently because. 4 p.m.? Apparently because they have to turn around and play again Sunday, so they wanted to play early. ESPN is that on ESPN plus plus plus? I yeah, I can't imagine that's on real TV, four o'clock on a Friday. I mean, if you're gonna news dump something, you might as well news dump a game like this, right? Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> I'm not going to be like heartbroken. I'm going to miss probably close to all of it, working and driving home from work. <laughs> I actually, I thought I was going to gonna have to do radio, but I, I'm going to be there. So lucky you, you get, to, you get to hear about John Ross on your ride home. Oh no, I will, I will not be listening to hot take James. Okay. Well, that's, <laughs> that's who's in for me. I know. Cause I'm, that, that I'm not in for most. So I take James's in for me. <laughs> Who else would be talking about John Ross? John, maybe John Ross is guest hosting tomorrow. <laughs> it might be better at that. You should have plenty playing, of free time. Playing football. You should have plenty of free time. So, I mean, I think that we pretty much nailed, <coughs> you know, the basketball news of the week. Obviously, we'll have what's the when's the game next week is that a thursday i believe that's a thursday so it'll be wednesday so next week be wednesday so we'll have two games to, two games to react to um you want to you want to give your thoughts on omari thomas that's 51 i mean 51 is a lot of points a man. lot of damn points man it's without hitting a three 27 what 20 for 27 from the field is that is that accurate yeah all twos so 11 for whatever from the line Yep. I mean, how about Jamel Elliott telling her at halftime, like, go get 50? Who told her that? Or, oh, no, oh, sorry. Michelle oh, Clark hurt. Like, sorry. I was like, what? I, that was brain diarrhea. That's my bad. But, uh, said, Michelle like, Clark Go get 50. Yeah. Go, go I, get you a 50 burger. I, I, I love it. Like, okay, coach. You, I love it. I'm about to start like, you heard her. Tell my teammates, I'm like, you heard her. Pass me the ball. Get me 50. I mean, she, I like, I haven't watched a, a ton of the women, but I've watched enough over the four years that she's entertaining and she's undersized. She her doesn't. And, her and Oscar Robertson, man. Yeah. That's only, only two players in school history to have over 50 in a game. Who's got the next, like, who, I mean, I don't know if you know, like, who has the next closest to 50 of the guy? And it, probably Logan, right? He had like forty. He had like forty-one in a game, or something. What did, what did he have when he outscored Southern Miss? Southern Miss thirty-nine or forty. I think it was like he had like thirty-nine or forty-one, maybe. Um, uh, hold on. Talk for a second. All right. So uh, Alvin Mitchell just hit a three. Bearcats up four. Now Bearcats Alvin up, Mitchell. Oh, now Bearcats Alvin up three. Mitchell, they turn sorry. the ball over. Minnesota lays it in, cuts it to one. Bob Huggins is irate. Minnesota with the ball, five seconds left. Chance to win. Shot goes up. No good. Tip, no good. Bearcats win. Number three takes down. Oh, Mick Cronin, full head of hair. Bob Huggins not in a sweatsuit. Okay, we, we have a problem. What's our problem? <laughs> I'm looking at the official uh, record book for UC. Yeah. And they have the top six individual scoring performances in UC history. Okay. What do you think the problem is? Uh, I don't know. What? They're all Oscar. No. They're all over 50. So, <laughs> so, so we don't. We, we, they, they won't even tell us who. <laughs> what, what was his highest? 62. 62. 
62. And then the time him and Chuck combined to score 56 at uh, what, uh, Madison Hall? Square Garden. Yeah. Was that Madison Square Garden? Yeah. Yeah. Oscar had 56. Oscar. Yep. Oscar yeah. had 56. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck used to, he told I heard at least once like every other month. Yeah, I I had heard that story probably fifteen times. Yeah. Rest Chuck's soul, loved For him. Sure, but that was he went. That was his go-to story. Was the time him and Oscar combined for fifty-six points in Madison Square Garden, Can I just throw which at the very, time I believe was the scoring record for MSG. Very very random question, not UC related at all. You can do whatever the hell you want. Is Michigan the best team in the country? No. 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 They're very good. Just curious, because they're handing it to Iowa right now. Iowa, Iowa couldn't guard me, you, Berg, Aaron, Yeah, but and they gave it they, – in the second half, they kind of gave it to Ohio State Sunday too. Oh, no, they're, they're top three for sure. For sure. I just don't think there's – I think they're still a step below – Are they better than Baylor? The Zags. I think they're a step below the Zags and – Probably pretty even with Baylor. I love Hunter Dick Hunter Dickinson. I think um, in comparing those two, I would say Baylor is a little bit better than Michigan on defense. Michigan is a little bit better than Baylor on offense. Fair enough. Fair enough. Which would have them about at the same level in my mind. Yeah. But they're real good. Oh yeah, real good. But yeah, I've got that got that on, and just noticed that I had stretched it to eleven. Um. So, how about I mean that that's a that's a way to kind of go out at the end of your senior season, right? You drop a drop a fifty burger on somebody. Yeah. How have the ladies that's been a, this year? I've heard they've had like some injuries and. Yeah, they've been up and down. I'll look up the record right now. But uh, they've yeah, uh, 50, 50 damn points. Like, I mean, oh, worse than I thought to be 20 for 27. And, you know, especially when, when like ECU knows they're giving you the damn ball. Yeah, they're <laughs> five and 15, four yeah. and 11 in conference. That's kind of gross. They had a lot of turnover. They had a lot of guys from yeah, last year, and this year. Players, I shouldn't say guys, but a lot of ladies that uh, important players on last year's team graduate. It was the Omari Thomas show, and last night we found out why. Because yeah. she's, she's really good. So, you got any football stuff you want to talk about? I mean, uh, are we, are we, do we want to talk about like good football things, or do we just want to bash 24-7 for their Juwan Briggs crap? Part, sorry, Dan. That's a fucking joke. A like, joke. Like, where is he? Like, where is he ranked if he's transferring to Ohio State? I just want to ask one person that question, and then look me straight yeah. in the eye and be like, "Oh, he'd still be an eighty-one." Not a, not a. I think he's a top ten transfer in the country. Okay. They don't have him as a top ten transfer at defensive tackle. I sent a fairly strongly worded email when I saw the the list before it came out that basically said is, is he an oversight? 
Did you guys <laughs> is this a uh, filing error? Did he did he transfer so long ago that you he kind of because that that happens? <laughs> well, that happens that like it, guys slip through the crack because it happened a while back, and you're dealing with guys that mostly transferred at the end of the season. I thought genuinely, I, I gave them the opportunity to like make it right, and was told he was great in '81. Uh, it's the same grade as the guy that's the seventh ranked defensive tr- tackle transfer. So um, do with it what you will. Like do with it what you must. Like, well, I just, what, what I must is to say the rankings are a joke. Well, here, here's my my thing on the whole deal. Like, so they basically have quarterback Tanner Mordecai, who has transferred from Oklahoma, has to- not played. No, he, he had. This is my whole point. He has from Oklahoma okay. to SMU in 2018. He went two for two for 37 yards. In 2019, he played in six 100%. games. Six games through a total of 26 passes, um, for just over 200 yards and two touchdowns. And in 2020, he played in four games, threw for just under 400 yards and two touchdowns. His best games in his whole career were the time he filled in in blowouts against Missouri State and South Dakota. So you're telling me that you're, you're, he's the number one transfer in the entire country right? based on that. And his high school ranking, where Jawan Briggs had a very similar high school ranking. I mean, he's a top seventy-five guy. Taylor Tanner Mordecai was probably like a top, you know, twenty guy, whatever. But like defensive tackle, top seventy-five. That's pretty damn good. Two-year starter, best defensive lineman for a team, like like legitimately played, like he played, and. This other guy is the number one transfer in the country, not based on what he's done on the field, because how could you possibly say going off of playing like a total of 12 games in three years, throwing for a total of 600 something yards, most of which is against FCS teams. Right. That he's the number one quarterback, number one transfer in the country because of that. I don't I, – yeah. I Look at the other defensive tackles. Briggs had been better than all of them on the transfer list. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, it's like what we let off with. If he transferred to Ohio State, where would he be? Just, he would be a top 10 transfer in the country. Sure. They'd be like, oh, my God, they got the replacement for Tommy – uh, or for yeah, Tommy Togai or however you pronounce his last name, like instant impact defensive tackle replacement for Buckeyes, fills massive hole, you know, no drop off, blah blah blah, like you know. right. And he would be maybe the number one transfer in the country, legitimately. I just laughed that like you went from whatever you were ranked coming out of high school played well and went to an basically barely a three-star yeah yeah 81 
81 is his ranking. Like there's dudes probably rated ahead of him that are transferring because they couldn't get on the field. Oh, there are. That's what I said. I went and looked at like six of the guys that are, that are ahead of him in the transfer on the transfer list at defensive tackle. There wasn't one of them that was as, as that was better than Jawan Briggs. Not yeah. one. At what here's I guess here's what I want to know. At what point does Luke Fickle start getting credit for knowing what he's doing? Well, I mean, all these players that aren't any good, they keep winning all these games. How is that happening? Right? Like you guys, you guys 24-7, like you don't think any of these guys are good. Yet somehow they keep winning. I mean, God, imagine what he'll do when he starts getting good players. That's what I've always, like, it's what always confuses me in the transfer rankings. Or in the, in the player rankings. Why is there more credit given to the guys that have proven to be great at it, at player identification? What was Luke Fickle's reputation at Ohio State? Find the Darren Lees. Find the three stars that that play like that are five stars. For whatever reason, other schools didn't want, and he saw something, you know. That was his entire reputation. Now he's built a a national championship contender out of it, an entire team out of it, Dave, and they're still not giving him the respect. There should be three guys in 2021 that are four stars. You tell me you look at Shaman Mateo's tape and that's not a four-star tight end? Right. Are you out of your fucking mind? Really? Josh Wiley wasn't a four-star coming out of high school? What are we doing? Like, I don't get... You're not... I Look... I have a lot of respect for the people that do the rankings. They work hard. Oh, I have breaking news. Okay. Somebody Evan, opted out. Evan Prater has asked if the basketball team needs one more. <laughs> and Luke Fickle has informed Evan Prater to delete his tweet. <laughs> um, those guys are good at what they're, they're really good at what they do. 90% of the time. I, they're really good at what they do. I always, though, laugh. Luke Fickle's better at it than you. Well, yes, but I, I exactly. But I, that's why I always laugh at, like, oh, this guy's the 26th best linebacker, not the 50th best linebacker. You know, like, come on, guys. Like, if you guys were that good at evaluating talent, college programs would freaking hire you. Luke Fickle deserves more benefit of the doubt when it comes to his player evaluation and identification. Period. Period. Like, you take 20 to 25 guys every year, you're going to miss. Yeah, of course you are. I think, like, I don't think, here's what I don't think they get enough credit of. And I don't think, like, this is the thing that cracks me up with these like recruiting rankings. Sometimes when you get into like the, not the top, top end, 
But like, when is someone going to talk about development instead of just like some big power five school that can get recruits that gets the 21st ranked recruiting class, but like none of those guys end up doing anything. Like, cause right. they don't develop players. Like that's the thing that I think separates UC from their peers for sure is like, yeah, they're getting a better guy now. Like we'll use Ethan Green as an example. Like, yeah, they're getting the six, seven, 275 pound. We can talk about him too. Some offensive that line. Offensive that lineman. kid's going to be awesome. But like, the they're way. also developing them. Right. But how much of that is they should have been rated higher, <laughs> right? Well, they yeah. were better than their rating to begin with. Oh, yeah. I think it's a That's... double-edged sword. Of right. course, the development has been really good. Don't get me wrong. But if the kid should have been a 90 and he was an 86, you're going to get more credit for development than maybe you deserve. <laughs> or or because we know how this shit works or you don't get those kids because right. everybody they rated him a 90 has to great has to offer a 90 but he's only an 87 right. so we can't you know we can't offer him right no you're right you're right i mean i i don't know i just i just laugh at some of it like like you said like he, I mean, he must be a damn good coach if he just keeps winning all these games with players that aren't ranked very high. Look how Georgia's like number one over the past five years in recruiting. Did yeah. that team look better, significantly better on the field than Cincinnati without yeah. James Wiggins and Sauce Gardner? UC James had, Hudson for a half? UC had more impactful players out for that game than Georgia did. Right. And they hung right with him with Ty Van Fossen on the field, mostly over Jarrell White and, and Brian Cook instead of James Wiggins and Arquan Bush instead of Ahmad Gardner. They were still every bit as good. Yeah. Maybe those dudes that are 85s and 86s were just ranked wrong. Now, yes, the coaching has been excellent and they're being developed and all the credit in the world to the staff for that. But maybe they were a 90 to begin with. Just a thought. Just a thought. Uh, Ethan Green. That's a hell of a get. He's a, he seems like a dude. I mean, 6'7", 275, athletic, all-American wrestler, can move, can bend. He looks like everything you want in a left tackle. Oh, yeah. That is as good of a get in the Luke Fickle era for me. Because what did we learn this year? Outside of quarterback, there ain't nothing more important than a left tackle, bro. Oh, nothing uh, more important than yeah. a left tackle. <laughs> what do you. You are distracted today. I'm just laughing at something that. <laughs> My mom just sent me. Oh. So, not UC related at all. So, um, okay. But yeah, I mean, like that, uh, the guy with the covers recruiting for the athletic 
wrote a little piece this week about Ethan Green calling it the fickle special. Like that guy that shouldn't be going to UC. Like he should be going to somewhere in the Big Ten. Probably Ohio State. Yeah. But it uh it definitely helps when the guy is uh a generational wrestling talent. You can put him on the phone with Luke Fickle for an hour. Here's here's what I'm what I haven't figured out yet, and I don't want to like I don't think I'm giving out any like state secrets, but when you see when other schools find out that UC's like really into a guy, why is like Michigan, Michigan State, Indiana, Purdue, Louisville, Kentucky, Pitt, Iowa, Minnesota, like why are not every one of those schools offering this, this these kids? Like, what are you guys doing? You, none of you are as good as you see. And you're just watching them take dudes that you should be getting. You see, you should not be getting kids over some of those schools. Like it just should it shouldn't be happening. And yet it is. So I'm I'm more than happy to keep doing it. But like that, if you're if that's you're, going to up that comment is going to upset a lot of people, Dave. I don't care. <laughs> I know. Like, but that's that's the way it's looked at, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. Like, like, what are they too prideful? Like, we can't, like, we're better than you, and we're taking kids that typically you should be taking, and you're not even offering them. He's only an 85, David. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, keep them ratings, keep them ratings down. (laughs) Make them scroll, keep scrolling on pages to find them. I think in a lot of ways, though, they do the right, like they, they keep things, especially a kid like Ethan Green, like they kept that fairly quiet. Well, it's, it's, it's funny. The, the whole COVID thing has helped them so much because schools, yeah. like kids show up on campus and they send out tweets of, on their visits and everything. And it's like, oh shit, you see likes this kid enough to bring him in like on a random weekend, like we got to figure out what's going on. Like they can't do that right now. So they got no idea who they're truly, they're not running into coaches in the halls at schools, like at airports. Like they have no idea who they're truly, truly interested in. It's uh, it's been fun to watch. It's been interesting to watch. I, I don't it think does, they're it done. It does kind of suck that they can't take a full class this year. Cause this one could be the, it could. It very this much one, could. This one could have been the one. Yeah. To br- to break that, like, you know what, that 40 bubble that they can't, that no one in the outside of Houston the one year, I think, because of it all. I don't even know if they ended up finishing in the top 40. Maybe they did just because he gave them that huge, huge bump. Yeah, because, I think they did just because of him. But, like, that seems to be kind of the ceiling. It does. I mean, it, it is. It'll be interesting to see like how how close they can get to more. You know, to fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, because everybody says you know that the number is this, especially when it, when it starts that low. It always finds its way to creep higher, 
But again, as we've talked about, like the problem is you've recruited really well and pretty much nobody's left. Right. Like all the guys that, you know, just, you know, just couldn't quite cut it. They're all gone for the most, you know, you're always yeah. going to have a few every year. That's just the nature of the, the beast with right. guys. And Michigan is now 20. 18. Well, either way. I like <laughs> even numbers. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you're just not going to have uh, – it's going to be tough to have big classes when, you know, unless you have a bunch of guys leave for the NFL or something. Like, guys just aren't leaving. Right, they're if you happy. Guys, if you got guys coming back for their sixth or sixth years, because they're just like, yeah, this is fun. Like, I just want to keep playing fun football and winning football games. Then you're certainly not going to have guys, <laughs> you know, unless they just truly feel they want to just go play somewhere. They don't care. You're and hanging gonna... out with my brothers, right? Because they've they've built a culture and a foundation that people love. And I mean, you're looking what? Still very much in the mix for for Brian Parker, Josh Caddis, CJ Doggett, Alex Afari. So that's what, number 13 in Ohio for Afari, uh, number 24 in Doggett, Caddis, 27. Parker, 29. I mean, you're still in pretty damn good shape, and you've already got number 14 in Bird, number 11 in Shepard, number 35 in Green, who I think is criminally low. I'd probably have Ethan Green in the top 20 in this class in Ohio. <coughs> I mean, I would like to talk to someone like – just to get like, just to give me an idea of like, still involved with Ryan Bear, right? Like a guy 20. like Ann Carter Smith, twenty one. Yeah, like I want to know. Okay, what's the difference between a Ryan Bear, Carter Smith, and Ethan Green? Offer list, right? And Brian and Brian Parker, like, but more so Ethan Green. Like he's at thirty four. Parker's an inside guy, so that's a little different. They have him listed at tackle, so I'm just yeah, going off of what it says on the. I'm just going off what it says on yeah. the Ohio rankings. I know you see you see sees Parker as a guard center, but like inside Ethan inside Green type. at 34, Carter Smith at 21, Barrett 20. Like I would love to just like ask someone that actually knows Ohio recruiting and be like, what's what's the difference? Why are these guys separated by you know 13, 14 spots? Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? No, not on the surface. I mean, not to someone like me who hasn't really watched any of them play. Um, I mean, I've watched enough tape to, to think that they aren't that different. Maybe we'll have um, maybe we'll have our guy back on, Mark Potter. What about, can we, well, how about we get Pat Lambert on? Uh, he's not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> I know, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, Mike, while Mike. I would love to. My favorite player that I still don't think we are recruiting, and I'm crestfallen over it, uh, Tayshawn Smoot from Springfield. 
I will pound. I'll I, pound I, the I know table. you're a big taste. I'll pound Smith the guy. table for that dude all day long. Like he can play here, hundred percent. I know you've been big on that one from the start. I just think they have a different dual threat quarterback in mind. He's not a quarterback here, though. Dual? At all. No, not not at all. Nope. He's a wide receiver, running back. Well, they're done at running back. He's only six foot one seventy. He's not a dual. He's not a quarterback in college at this level. Okay, I'm just telling you what twenty four seven has him listed. As. Oh, I know. When you get to spring practice, we need to we need to ask Lenny about him. Okay, I'll ask Lenny. That dude see, can... see if Lenny can. And then also Zion Cheeks, uh, who immediately goes on the all names. That is Name insane. translates to what? God butt. <laughs> That's funny. That's a good name. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what, six, inside six, inside linebacker two, from Jersey, six two, almost two hundred pounds. Brian Wright's cousin, B. Wright, was uh, instrumental in that one. The word is he had a bit, bit of a disappointing junior season, but I think he's kind of more of a long term projection at linebacker, middle linebacker, where they'll want to bulk him up and see if they can get him into more, kind of that role that Brian played uh, in the middle, even though Brian was a couple inches taller. Did you say, are they done at running back, you said? That's my understanding is they're done at running back. Stephen Bird is their guy. So no no Kentron Marks possibility? Right now with as low as numbers are going to be, I don't think so. Yeah. Like one outside offensive lineman. One inside offensive lineman, a wide receiver, a tight end, a dual threat quarterback, one, maybe two defensive ends, an outside backer, a corner, and a safety. Maybe two core, maybe maybe a little bit of flexibility as there always is with those uh defensive back spots. Are we are we going back? Are we dipping back down into the Commonwealth for our next dual threat quarterback? I think they'd like to. I think they'd like to. Seems like he is their number one guy. Inform the people if you haven't pulled up. I don't. And I don't know how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> that's why that's why I was gonna leave it to you. <laughs> uh hold on, I will real quick. Get it was Gavin, right? Yeah. Wims Wims Wimsat Wimsit Wims yeah. Something like that. I mean, he's a top 100 kid nationally. I definitely think that is who they would like to. Uh, he's higher. I mean, he's a, he's a, got a higher composite than Prater. Yeah. I mean, the other services kind of screwed Prater. He's 91 nationally, uh, 91st nationally uh, in the composite number three dual threat quarterback in the, in the country. Yeah. That's who they would like. <laughs> that would be uh would be ideal yeah that would be pretty ideal we shall see yeah i mean the word is that he's likely not to end up at one of the kentucky schools but that he would still like to be remotely kind of close to home okay 
Owensboro's what about three hours, three and a half hours? That seems fair. That seems in the state of Cincinnati, right? I mean, it's it's definitely right there on the uh, right there on the border. One hundred sixty-eight yeah. miles. That's within. That's definitely within the three hundred mile range. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. Well, you you probably guessed that there's going to be a little bit of a slowdown, just because of numbers. Unless someone that they really want is wanting to commit, obviously, but we can't we can't really foresee that happening. It's usually not something that is known. I mean, I think their their board is probably pretty clear right now because of the the limited number of spots they're working with. Uh, that's actually kind of a luxury. Right, I would like guess they're only you... like they're only taking the, their number one guy. Right. If they if the number one guy wants to commit, all right, we'll take you. If it's not the number one guy and he's not committing yet, then we don't need to take anybody. Right. So you can be pretty picky here and see as many of your number one guys as you can get. If I had to guess, it would be Parker for one of those inside, that inside offensive line spot. Caddis at tight end. Afari is kind of a tweener between safety and, and sniper. Um, so you could kind of slide him into either of those places to make numbers work, depending on how you see it. I think Wimsat would be the Wimsit, Wimsat, whatever, would be the, uh, the guy at quarterback defensive end i know they they like doggett kind of for that five technique um it'd be interesting to see need, i still they need more like a myjay type guy i mean they took like four of those guys in the previous class in 2021 yeah so i mean i think the the plan for this class, at least, is more on that that strong side guy. Um, corner, it'll be interesting. There's a couple names there that I'm um, tracking, but you're not at, not at liberty to to reveal. Uh, not at not at the, the this exact moment if i if i had to like throw one out there that i know they're really high on be jq hardaway is he related to tim or penny don't think so he's from phoenix city alabama composite 88.39 he's the number 42 cornerback in the country the 420th ranked player in the country 420 man had to make that joke had to couldn't get away from can't not make that joke right 24 7 actually is a little higher on him even they've got him at number 89 which is uh the number 36 cornerback in the country the number 11 player in alabama so i know i know they would like jq hardaway uh but that's those are, those are always interesting ones. Like you never, I mean, most of the time it's very hard to get those guys out of the South, but it's like, if you don't get an Auburn or an Alabama offer and you're from Alabama, you know, 
are you more willing to like go to a, a place like a UC? I, mean, right. I, don't, I don't know. Like it, you're still probably going to have all the other SEC and ACC schools, but like if those two teams don't offer, I feel like it's more like you have such a, you know, obviously you have a better shot, but like you don't like when you're grow up in the state like Alabama, it's kind of like growing up with like in the state of Ohio. Like if Ohio State doesn't offer you, you see it's just as good of a shot as getting a guy as a Michigan or you know for the most part a Michigan, a Michigan State, uh, some of these other schools that most people would be like, well, of course the kid's just going to go to whatever school. But it's like no, I'm right. not in Ohio. Has not an offer? I I still like want to play here. Another name I know I know they really like Ashton Lepo. But it seems like that one's trending Michigan State. Yeah. Well, Six seven two sixty tackle. The Cheez It Bowl will be fun. You should enjoy that. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and with the diamond almond nut bowl or something out in San Francisco, that'd be a fun one too. The the D's nuts bowl. White set me up last night. We've got one of those, you know. The are you a Costco guy? I mean, I know what you're speaking of. The giant bag of trail mix. Yeah. That's really, really good. And I have it sitting right here on the uh, side of my desk in case I ever want a healthy, refreshing, delightful snack. As you drink a beer and light a cigarette? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, life's about balance, Dave. It's true. You gotta, you know? There's got to be some balance. Right can't just have like chocolate chip cookies with those other things right if i'm gonna you have to have have... a a tub of trail mix (laughs) i mean it's only this big oh it's not that bad i thought you were talking about like those huge like barrel things no 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 just a bag the size of my giant head so you know we're i'm watching the uc game last night and kelly's getting ready to go to bed and she wants a healthy little late night snack. And she says, Hey, can you, can you hand me the, um, the, um, and I said, these nuts, man, <laughs> you are well, your next, Got uh, her. next one stand up at the funny bone or something. Uh, you know, sometimes the, when they walk into one, you have to take advantage. That's one of life's great pleasures, right? That's right. If they open the, if they throw, they throw it by the rim, you got to dunk it. Michigan by 22. Held Iowa to 57. They're pretty good. That Iowa team's weird, though, man. They have some nights where they can't shoot. And being as bad as they are at defense on those nights where they can't shoot, oof. Oof. That's seven losses for them. Is it? At least so. I think that's six. Yeah. One into tonight. So that's seven losses for them. You got to go? No, I'm, not, I'm all right still. I was laughing earlier this week uh, when UC announced that homecoming would be against Tulsa. I wanted to make, Tulsa. Like, a, joke. I wanted to make like a joke like from conference championship to the best team in the conference's homecoming game. Like we, we didn't even have Temple. We picked Tulsa. UC was like, look who they lost. Homecoming. Homecoming. <laughs> quite an insult yeah quite an insult which that's like i was kind of hoping that it would be temple because while the weather could be good for november 6th it could also royally suck 
Yeah, November 6th is right on that, like, borderline. Like, you could right? definitely get, like, a day that's, like, 52 degrees and raining. Or you could get a day that's, like, 62 degrees and perfect. Oh, yeah. That's why I figured, like, Temple was kind of, like, the, the, easy, the easy one to do there. They should. They should have done it, it for the. They should have just said screw it and done it for the Miami game. First game of the year. Get everybody back in there. Homecoming for Miami. Right. Oh man, Berg just called me. I can only imagine what state of disrepair oh. he's in right now. It's his guy. I know. I <laughs> I'm know. I'm not even gonna. I'm, I won't even say his tagline from from last week <laughs> gives me the heebie-jeebies he's not bending his knees and creaming the night oh I'll tell you that jesus much. why did you do that no no man should ever utter those that sentence who who is the idiot that started using the 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 adjective cream for making a shot i, I literally heard it for the first time last week he really creamed that one. Ew! <laughs> like I don't, I don't get it. Gross. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand. Berg's been using that on the on the podcast going back a while, and every time Has... he says it, my skin kind of crawls. Oh man, Gonzaga's in a little fight tonight. Uh, they seem to have stretched it out, but yeah, one by fourteen. But it was like a six point game. <laughs> They're really good. Really oh, yeah. good. So what did you okay here? I mean, I don't I didn't read all the details. I'm sure you did. So the plan for the NCAA tournament is to like not replace teams. Once the tournament starts. So you could literally win your first game and then get all the way to the final four without playing again. Hypothetically, yes. Hypothetically. Which I think is there. I don't think you can be like putting teams into the sweet 16. I guess my question is like, okay, so you lose. You're you've already won, so you're you you're in the tournament and you've won a game. Uh huh. You lose, and then the team that but beats the team you, that you just beat you the next day. Somebody has COVID. Test pop. Do yeah. you then get to go? Do you go, or is it like no. the team that was supposed to play them just automatically goes? I think it becomes like a buy. I don't like that. I think the losing team should get another shot. The problem is you send them home from the bubble, so you'd have to bring them back and retest. And Okay, so you retest. That would be really difficult on those, like, one-day turnaround games. Yeah. With or no prep time. You, you, you get to come you back, hold but them. you start the game at, like, five points behind. <laughs> or you can you only spot, play you spot like, them five right or you can only play like nine guys it can be any nine guys you want but you can, like no matter what happens you can only play nine guys like seven eight nine guys. like there's got to be some I, like i just don't want to i just don't want to see teams like advance for nothing like because of a illness of a virus like i don't yeah I don't but like there's that. just now what i'm wondering will be like those second games. So the Elite Eight and the round of 32. Right. 
where there's a week between or a couple days between right, like you games. Lose, you lose the game going to the Sweet 16. But then the team that beat you has a positive case, so they can't go to the Sweet 16. Well, my question would be like, my question would be like, if there's a positive in the day between those games, would they, because everybody's in the bubble, if you're supposed to play on Sunday, would they allow it to be pushed to like Monday or Tuesday so that the other team can get through all the testing necessary to get back on the floor? Were they isolated? Are they willing to take that risk? Yeah, because like I just don't like the idea of like, so you have a Sweet 16 game. You, you look like, or you just go from the round of 32 to the Elite Eight because the team you're supposed to play in the Sweet 16, and then you're only one game from the Final Four. Yeah. Like, I don't like that at all. I, I don't love it, but this is what happens when you you force a sport through a global pandemic for the sake of money. Now the question becomes, you're just losing that inventory. Like you just, that game just doesn't exist on the schedule. Now the partners aren't going to be happy with that. Hey, uh, TBS, sorry. I know you had banked on a game tonight at uh six 30, yeah. but, uh, Nope. Sorry. Maybe Dewan, just have Dewan got COVID. Yeah. Sorry. You're out. That part will be interesting. Yeah. I don't, I mean, we've been talking about this forever. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there's probably not ever been more like praying to God that it goes pretty smooth than what this, basketball committee is doing yeah good luck to him good luck to him i say that very tongue-in-cheek yeah (laughs) um you got anything else i don't think so um no we we still don't technically know exactly when spring practice is going to start Third week of third week of March, I'm thinking like somewhere between the 14th and the 20th is what I would guess. Okay. We lost our we lost our marker for how to judge things because apparently uh, UC took away spring break. Those bastards. That's what I said. That's a total dick move. I mean, what do you, what do you mean they just took it away? Like they just it's gone. It's, just, it's not on. Now? Yeah, it's not on the calendar. Spring break is does not exist in 2021. What a, what a bunch of jerks! Yeah, yeah, because that's like, usually how you're able to mark UC's football like, spring football. The not, first week not is the, the week before spring break. Fault there's a global pandemic. What the hell? Right. No spring break. Higher education people stink. <laughs> that's oh not, boy, that's not right. I know it's not, but it's it's real. It's very real. Should we talk about uh, USF's new practice facility? I don't really care about <laughs> USF's new practice facility. I'm kidding. I know. I did find it <laughs> funny that in their little video they have a. American Athletic Conference Championship Trophy. 
in the, in the trophy case. It's uh, yeah, it's something. It's something. But yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't really have. Uh, I don't really have much else. I mean, Houston ended up beating Western Kentucky by fourteen. They're only up one at halftime. Western has some size to battle them. So not terribly surprising. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that's, uh, I think that's about all from me. All right. I don't have anything else either. So that's going to wrap it up. Thanks, as always, to our friends at the Holy Grail. If you are not going to be in attendance, which uh, there are more people going to be in attendance uh, tomorrow and Sunday and Thursday. Jaheim Thomas has thrown his name into the ring to join the basketball team. <laughs> oh, boy. Maybe that's I think that's a question I want one of you guys to ask Brady the next time he's on. Who are, who, actually the the, who are actually the good basketball players on the football team? And who are the ones that think they're good, but they're actually not? Because you know there's a, a good... Prater's good. Prater's good. Lenny's good. Beavers from that tape look pretty... I mean, he can, he he can, can dunk. Dunk. I mean... But yeah, I want to know. Would like, you take his physicality? I'd take oh, his physicality. Oh, for sure. For I'd sure. Take... But I'm just like, that doesn't mean he's a good basketball player. Right. Um, but I, I would, that'd be interesting to know, like who's good at other sports that, uh, that we don't know about and who thinks they're good at basketball that actually isn't. He right was definitely good at basketball. He was, he was a guy that he, could play. He played with the basketball team a lot. Yeah. He ran open gym and, and stuff in the summers with the basketball team a lot. I'm sure the coaches love that. Yeah. Um, Lichtenberg, not Lichtenberg, but um, Lindauer's supposed to be yeah. pretty good. He was a big basketball guy. Luke Collinsworth is a big basketball guy, mm-hmm. even though he's a Xavier fan. Um, we're going to have to fix that. I'm just going to have to fix that. That can't happen. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Wonder if any of the DBs. Hicks was pretty good back in the day. He actually was kind of a basketball prospect as well up until like his junior year when he focused on when he turned his attention to football. They need some size. Wiley can play. Wiley played at LaSalle. Yeah. You could put Lenny and Wiley on the team. Put Prater on the team. What about Mets? Well, you can't jump off sides of basketball. Is he like the next Detlef Shrimp? Could you imagine him out there chucking threes? <laughs> I wouldn't mind even going in and bodying some people. Yeah. I would break I would break you. Calvin Sampson would probably take him. Five fouls. He would. That's five fouls. That's a six nine, three hundred and twenty pounder. I'd love to see that just so you could get a, a an appreciation for how huge Lorenz Metz is. Oh yeah, like some this little guard drives in, like Mikey Saunders drives yeah. in, and Metz like 
goes to block a shot and actually just like grabs his head in his armpit. Kelvin Gaines style. Yeah. He used to to get a block with his armpit Mm -hmm. when he would actually get on the floor. All right, let's get out of here. Yeah, we're kind of rambling at this point. (laughs) All right. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast on BearcatJournal.com.